you have your Bibles, take them and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to speak this morning on a passage of Scripture that is one of the most misused and the least understood, but often referred to passages in the Bible. I have been asked about this passage so many times. And so finally I sat down and spent some time looking into it, beginning with verse 17. I'm not going to go up before that. But verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And by the way, if you'll take that verse for what it says, it leaves very little room for question. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? Does it say he has the potential to be a new creature? Does it say if he works at it, he can become a new creature? No, it says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And if you have a reference Bible, you can look in the reference. And that word creature is literally creation. A new creation of God. Then you go on down and it says, old things will be passed away if you can take care of them. No. It says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And people sit with a wrinkled brow and say, I still sin. Well, welcome to the human race. Have you found anybody who doesn't? I'm still looking. For too long this verse has been interpreted in this way. I used to smoke, drink, dance, chew, spit on the sidewalk and go to the movies. I don't do any of that anymore because old things passed away. And now I go to church, I teach Sunday school, I tithe. Everything has become new. And I usually say, I'd like to talk to your wife and check up on that. And the response would be, that's not fair. We are fooling ourselves. And so there are some keys to understanding the passage. First of all, two little words. In Christ. In Christ. That phrase in Paul's epistles in the New Testament appears 164 times in some form. I'm not a great admirer of John Calvin, but he wrote some books and I read some of them. And he said something that was good. I thought even the old hog roots an acorn every now and then, but he said, You either need to see yourself in Christ or in a lot of trouble. I saw that and I thought, you know, that's that's good. And I realized that when I got saved, I was placed by the Holy Spirit of God into a very special place. That place was in Christ. I went to the book of John. I love chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 
where Jesus was preparing the disciples for his departure. And it's in the 15th chapter we have that great passage on the vine and the branches. And there Jesus said, I will be in you and you will be in me. And you read on. And the ministry of the Comforter was to bring us all together. And, and all three members of the Godhead are used interchangeably. And you read that and you realize, when I got saved, I was placed into Jesus Christ. In that position, I have to understand, I am accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. There can't be any ifs, ands, or buts about it. I read First Timothy a few times this week, or well, I think it was four or five times, but I came across the passage that says, if our faith fails, if we have no faith, he remains faithful. <laughs> I read that. I had just, boy, should you confess your sins while you preach? I guess I can. Uh, we got a deacon and the treasurer. You'll be my father confessor, all right? I was uh, on the religious channels, and every now and then I tune in Jimmy Swaggart's channel because I like the music. That's my confession. But uh, Jimmy was in a, a meeting. He had a group of his staff members around him, and they were discussing the ministry of the cross. And you know, they were doing a good job. And Swaggart had said, all my sins were paid for, past, present, and future. Then there was a long silence because these are all Pentecostals. They believe you can lose your salvation. After a long pause, he said, uh, fellas, do you think you could ever lose your salvation? And one of his men just piped up this quick and said, oh, yes. He said, well, how could you lose justification? Well, he said, how did you become justified? Jimmy said, by faith. He said, if you lose your faith, you lose your justification. I thought, you guys ought to read your Bible. Because he, Jesus Christ, remains faithful to a commitment that when your sin was paid for, brother, that debt was canceled for eternity. <clears throat> wonderful truth. Don't worry about my cough. I uh, had esophageal surgery, and when I get a little excited, it excites that. <clears throat> but the old things that passed away had to do with Adam and all that he brought into my life. My sin nature my sin habits. All things became new. Well, I thought, I can pretty well understand the old things that passed away. What I don't understand is the old things that became new because it isn't all new like it's supposed to be. Have you ever been through this and thought about that? I've had so many people say, well, what if it doesn't become new? And all I can say is, the Bible says, 
old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So I would prefer to believe the Bible and let it have precedent over my surmisings. There's got to be an answer. Well, the answer is found in the next verse. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I saw that phrase, all things are of God. And I thought, all things are become new. Well, they had to become new because I was born again. And those things are of God. Well, how can I have all things that became new if it's not evident in my life? And I remembered what the book of Romans said. In chapter... Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith (coughs) into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope. And then, when you realize you didn't just get saved by faith, but that is where you stand by the grace of God, (coughs) God giving me what I could never earn, never deserve, by His grace. And I got a little concerned because of all of the people that have been calling and asking about this, and I thought of the 12th chapter in the second verse, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't make work out of renewing your mind. That's retooling the cranium. Let me tell you how it goes. When God saved you, your debt was fully paid, past, present, and future. You were declared to be righteous by a holy God. Now notice, he did not make you righteous. He declared you to be righteous. Because you're still in an Adamic body. And so if he did not make you righteous but declared you to be righteous, you still have opportunity to be unrighteous. Please follow me. But if he declared me to be righteous, what I need to do is wrap my mind around that and learn to live in all of the joy and in all of the liberty and in all of the excitement that that brings into my life. If you go on down to verse 21, and we'll come back to 18 here in a minute, but 
down to verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous. No. That we might be made the righteousness of God. Where? In him. These are all talking about things that have happened at the point of conversion. When I got saved, thank God, I was justified freely by His grace. <coughs> Which said, old things passed away, all things became new. Now, wrap your mind around the facts. Stop believing. The lies of the devil. Stop being condemned and guilt-tripping. It's kind of interesting when you study the word reconcile. You notice the little R-E at the front, which means again, which says there was a time when I was with God. But something happened and I was alienated from God. What was that? When was that? Oh, I'll tell you. In Adam before the fall, we were all totally innocent and at perfect harmony with God. But it was at the fall that we were separated and condemned. And the purpose of the cross was to reconcile mankind or to bring mankind back to God. I read a book one time. I know at times you don't think I read a book, but I did. I read a book. It talked about being born again. And they approached it from a very interesting point of view. Said Most people say you've been born once physically. You've got to be born the second time spiritually. But he said if that's true, that is a second birth, but that's not being born again, because being born again means after the similitude of the first. So what we're learning is, I was alive unto God in Adam prior to the fall. But at the fall, guess who else fell? I did. In Adam all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive, the Bible says. Well, that being the case, I need to be reconciled to God. I need to be brought back to Him. Maybe we don't understand death that well, but death is not annihilation. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of a new phase in our existence. We read in Luke 16 that the rich man opened his eyes in hell. But Lazarus in paradise. We learn to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord if you're saved. But if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, to be absent from this body is to be in hell. That's not pleasant. And it's not something you like to discuss. And so we need to be born again. 
we need to be brought back to our state of being alive unto God. We need to be reconciled. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself. How? By Jesus Christ. How? By Him becoming sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. How? In Him. For it is in Him that I live and move and have my being. It's not something I struggle to do. But if there is a struggle, I struggle to believe because there's nothing to do. It has been done. Where? At the cross. How? Well, the Bible says if one died for all, then we're all dead. I puzzled over that verse for many, many years. If one died for all, then we're all dead. But then all of a sudden it dawned on me, Jesus came and said, I will take your place. I will die for you. When he died for me, I died. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How does that verse take on meaning in life? We quote it so freely, but understand it so shallow. Do we understand that when Jesus died, I died with him? We should because he took our place at Calvary. When he rose from the dead, he said, all of you in Christ are free. For if we died with him, we're going to live with him. Go to Romans 6 and understand that if you identify with him in his death, Take one more step and identify with him in his resurrection. For in his death my sin debt was canceled, but in his life I am justified freely forever. You see, there are so many misconceptions. We don't work for redemption. We don't strive for forgiveness, nor do we work for our position in Christ. We must learn. I believe that the average Christian has very little victory because they have a very shallow knowledge of the Scriptures. Or when they read the Scriptures, they read them from a jaded point of view that says there's surely something I must do to satisfy God, not realizing that God is holy, that God is perfectly just. And the only thing that satisfies Him is absolute perfection. And I don't know about you, but I am not able to produce that. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto him, not imputing their trespasses unto them, 
and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. I was asking what is new and I came up with my vocation. And my clothes. For he hath made him to be sin for me who knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. That was my new cloak was the righteousness of God. My new vocation was that of ambassador. I lived in Korea for almost four years. and During that time, I got greater appreciation for the work of an ambassador. For a United States ambassador was very busy at that point because while we were in Korea, the man who had been president of Korea for a long time, President Park, was killed by the head of the KCIA. And immediately the ambassador went on American Forces television to keep all of the U.S. citizens in the country informed. Later, his children attended the same school with my children. He was at a ball game, and I was seated near him, and I said, Mr. Ambassador, I wanted to thank you for the way you serve the people of America. And he looked at me with a pleasant face, and he said, Sir, I represent the president of the United States of America. Now, I thought about that for a few minutes. I represent the president of the United States of America. He went ahead to talk to me some. He was a very cordial fellow. He said, everything I say and do reflects on the president. I am his ambassador to the nation of South Korea. And I begin to think about 2 Corinthians. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's a pretty heady position, to be honest with you. To think that God chose us to represent Him. And He said, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. Boy, my neighbors aren't saved. Should I talk to them or should I not talk to them? My brother-in-law, Lyle, and I have had this discussion a few times. Well, you're an ambassador for Christ. Ask him. I don't think you should jump on everybody you see. I don't think you should try to pick fruit that's not yet ready to be harvested. I think you should use some wisdom, just like the ambassador. I began to watch his life because his children crisscrossed paths with my kids. I noticed that he always behaved himself very, very correctly. That's good. He was always dressed appropriately. I think that's good as well. His whole life, as we could see it, represented the president 
very, very well. And I think if we would concentrate on that and wrap our head around it for a little while, we would begin to understand that long before we open our mouth, folks should be able to see Jesus Christ in us. Now I know that there are times when you just go door knocking, cold calling. I've done it. I'm sure I've knocked on over a million doors in my lifetime. One day my mama and I knocked on 200 doors in one day. She was 80 years old, and I was amazed at her energy. But I saw God bless that. We had some people come to church. But I think we misunderstand the commission is not to bring people to church. It's to bring them to Christ and then to church. Soul winning is something that takes place out there. Church takes place in here. Now, thank God for an evangelistic church. And I'm happy every time somebody comes forward to be saved. But I'm happier when a soul winner brings one of his own converts forward to publicly confess Christ as Savior. Because that's New Testament Christianity. He's appointed us to be ambassadors for heaven. And we beseech people in Christ's stead. That means... <clears throat> he's not here. He left. He went back to heaven. But he told us to carry on the work. Why? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, if you let the Bible speak, Keep your verb tenses correct. It'll say a whole lot to help you understand. Why do we do that? Because Jesus Christ died in our place for us that we might be declared righteous in Him. You may not feel extremely righteous in your skin but you should feel totally righteous in Christ. Justified, judged, found guilty, put to death, but raised righteous, thank God. <coughs> Sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit of God to be saved. I know some think that we gradually get better and better and better. That gradual sanctification. I don't see it either in the Bible or in real practice. Which bothers me. I haven't seen old people that got more godly just because they got more old. I've been waiting myself hoping I'd get better and better as I got older and older, but I've just got older and older and not much better. <laughs> I know you could, you know, add some to that for me, but I, I just assume you didn't, but I've watched you and see the same thing. I was sanctified 
by an act of God when the Holy Spirit drew me to the point that I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and then placed me into Christ. I was accepted in the Beloved at that point. I was declared to be the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I've not expressed this like I wanted to, but if you'll just listen, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Sums up the whole business of old things passing away. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Sums up the whole topic of all things have become new. I'll tell you, it is revolutionarily new to be declared righteous in Christ. How do I really understand that? It's by the renewing of your mind. Let the Holy Spirit of God take control of your mind. I've got so many other scriptures that I want to go to, but I, I just will not do it. But please understand, this business of old things passing away and all things becoming new is not our struggle. It was a divine act of a holy God. He said, what you were in Adam is taken care of. It was all nailed to the cross. All of that old stuff is done. The new is you are in Christ, complete, justified freely, sanctified completely. <coughs> His death was propitious. Get out from under that horrible bondage of legalism and enjoy the wonderful freedom of the Christian life. Stop trying to please a holy God with our pitiful efforts and find our hope in Christ. I'll let you know a little secret. It'll improve your behavior dramatically. I should go on and on, but I should stop. Just please understand, it's not our job to do away with the old things nor to conjure up the new ones. That was done by Christ on our behalf. If you would like to know that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven, you can know that very simply by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. I heard two different preachers this morning make salvation so clear it was just Wonderful. Adrian Rogers is one of them. He presents the gospel so well. But I sat there and listened and thought, isn't the Lord good to make it so easy to get saved that nobody has to miss it? Just by simple faith, admit you're a sinner. Man, that doesn't take much faith. By simple faith, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That doesn't either. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
But I can tell you based on the authority of the Scriptures, that's how you get saved. For we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And so we simply come to God admitting we're lost, wanting to be saved. Then all of these wonderful things about which we've spoken this morning become yours by way of the new birth, by way of reconciliation, being brought back into harmony with God. I wish I understood all I know, but it's sure fun to just keep digging and understand that God's mind is much greater than ours. We'll never fully comprehend, but that doesn't mean we should give up and quit. God bless you this morning. Let's pray. Father, there are so many things on our hearts today. We're glad that this is not a burdensome thing, but a wonderful thing in which to rejoice. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We have the riches of Jesus Christ as a birthright, and we thank you for that. 